This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. I am your co-host, Mike, and this is episode 272 of the show. And today we're going to be talking with Tammy Wharton. And Tammy is the president of the Girl Scouts of Central Ohio. We had a great time talking with Tammy. We talked about quite a few things, among those being, of course, Girl Scout cookie sales. And uh, you'd be surprised to find out that those are uh, one of the most successful businesses here in the U.S. It's the largest social entrepreneurial program in the world Mm -hmm. by girls. $800 million worth of cookies each year. And eight hundred million is that sounds blowing more. my mind. That's kind of what I would have have a billion dollar yeah, dude. business run by Girl Scouts. Like, yeah, and it's like a crazy successful. It's amazing. We also spoke about the impact of COVID on the Girl Scouts and what it looks like as they are coming back to in person meetings. Well, I think of the mental health piece of it too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just something about being in a room with people and getting to feel their energy versus you know in that mm-hmm. screen. I mean, it, it's just a different feel. We're looking forward to that. And we wrap it up with some big new projects that. The Girl Scouts are working on here in Central Ohio, one of which in particular that Tammy is really excited about. So I'm really excited. The project that I keep like insinuating about, it it gets me very excited. It's called Dream Big. And I I named it intentionally Dream Big because it's as big as we can imagine and bringing in partners. We are very good at creating programs for girls. And what we want to do is bring the experts in in the other areas to create programming. So as always, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We know we did and we'll get right into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast live from the industrious space here close to downtown. I got a beautiful view of downtown and we've also got a view of Josh and Tim. Everybody's in the booth today. What's going on, guys? What is more beautiful, the view of downtown or me? Downtown. That's I wrong. think that's the wrong answer. That's wrong yeah. Answer. <laughs> yeah. Try again. No, 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 no. Downtown. I'm I feel as if we have my final answer together in a while. Like this feels kind of foreign today. It does. I know. I think it's been what a couple of weeks. Did we have a recording last week? Oh, we did the last one at the old space. Yeah, that's why. Right. So okay. that's why we're feeling uh, a little different here. Anyway, it's good to see you guys in real life. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on with you guys? Not much, dude. I think you got the exciting news. You just bought a house. I know you're just dying to get it out. It wasn't. In, it's not in San Diego, though, right? Not Is it in here? San Diego. <laughs> but you are from. You are originally from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is it, how do you? How does this one from San Diego joke, buy a house in Ohio? Did the, was that like part of the paperwork? Well, they you know they didn't ask where I was from, okay. so I wrote it down <laughs> yeah, next to my name. You made your own fill in. <laughs> I said, I said, well, just in case you guys didn't know. Yeah, you got to buy into the joke here. If you, if I just sat here, I hope someone else enjoys that as much as we do. And I if think not, there I don't are people care. out there that do, and I'm sure somebody someday is going to come up to me and say, hey, "Aren't you from San Diego?" Anyway. Dude, I would pay all the money I have, which is not a lot of money. <laughs> For to be walking down the street with you one day and just hear somebody else, San Diego. Yeah. It's the San Diego guy. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I get. Well, all right. That's enough about where I'm from. You would love it. You'd uh-huh. feel like such a celebrity. Yeah. They're making fun of you, but you would still love it. I would still love it. That's true. <laughs> but uh, that's enough about where I'm from. Let's introduce our guest for today. So today on the show, we got... Whoa. Sorry about that. I'm still connected to Bluetooth. I need We're going to blame Tim on that, that one. one. Somehow we have uh, sound <laughs> coming through our headphones. So today on the show, we've got Tammy Wharton joining us. And Tammy is the president and CEO of Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland, which serves more than 40,000 Girl Scout members. And her initial connection with the Girl Scouts began in 2001 when she led the organization's fundraising and public relations efforts. And in 2005, she left to become the executive director of the Columbus Literacy Council for two and a half years. And then in 2007, she was asked to return the Girl Scouts to help lead the organization through the successful merger of three different councils. And uh, Wharton became CEO of the newly merged council, Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland in 2008. Uh, Her background also includes experience as a synchronized swimmer for The Ohio State University and the United States National Synchronized Swimming Teams. And she holds a Master of Science degree in Human Services from Capella University and an undergraduate degree in communications from the Ohio State University. 
We're really excited to have Tammy on the show to talk about her story and everything the Girl Scouts have going on today. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Tammy. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. And it's funny because, so Josh and I both wrestled at Ohio State, and we always saw the Synchro team in there and training, and they won like 25 national championships in a row. So they're pretty, pretty good. It was actually almost a running joke that anytime our coach would get mad at us, he would say, he said, well, the Synchro team wins every year. You guys can't win. Like, <laughs> we would be, you guys would be the benchmark and we just couldn't ever keep up. Yeah, it was, but so when you were there and on the team, what was the team in that kind of, that streak? Absolutely. We um, ran, we won four consecutive national championships when I was there as an athlete. And then I coached for two years and we won two while I coached as well. And that's kind of how I ended up here in Ohio because I'm from Pennsylvania originally mm-hmm. And was expected to go to Penn State, which, boo, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, or or some other. We're, we're okay with going uh, okay. Penn State here. Very good. Or some other schools like um, Stanford had a synchronized swim team at the time. And I applied for that and my parents' eyes almost bulged out. So Ohio State seemed like the winner. Yeah. So I have a two-part question. One, it, is that something you saw? Like, how did you get into synchronized swimming? And two, did everyone else just suck or were you guys just that much better. That's insane. Like if, if a football team or a basketball team won that many in a row, it, you know what I mean? It would just be, they, I, no, I, I had no idea that that was like a dominating thing, you know, like that, that would be, that would be the biggest news on all of ESPN. So is it, is it not, does it not get the attention it deserves? Is it like smaller or did you guys just blow everyone away? So I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into it when I was eight years old and I was at the YWCA and they had a show And I think sometimes when you think about synchronized swimming, people think about the glamour of it because you put gelatin in your hair and you put makeup on and stuff like that. And I've had a lot of people that have said, well, synchro is easy. You stand on the bottom of the pool and just, Mm. you know, wave your hands around or you put your hands on the bottom and wave your legs around. What they didn't realize is the pool that we competed in was the shallow end was six feet deep Mm -hmm. and the um, deep end was 12 feet. So we weren't standing on the bottom. And um, our team back in the day started a lot of the aerial moves that you see today. And so we would flip people out of the water and and that was pretty sensational at the time. And we're doing that all by not standing on the bottom of the pool. So it's a very athletic sport mm-hmm. um, and we'd be in the pool for six to eight hours a day mm-hmm. practicing just oh, wow. to make sure that one, you, you know, you're doing the timing, you're doing the execution of all of the things that you need to do. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult sport, but people don't realize it because of the glamour part of it. Were your hands just constantly wrinkled then? I was constantly wrinkled, <laughs> constantly say, cold. Six, eight hours a day, that's, that's intense. That's a lot and of pool. I, that's yeah. a lot of pool time. <laughs> and I joke and I say, you know what? I don't like getting wet anymore. I don't go in a swimming pool if I don't have to. But I do take showers and stuff like that. It's just, <laughs> I really don't like to be cold in a swimming pool. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so you come to Ohio and you, you come for the synchronized swimming team. But you've now been here for, for how long since then? A long time. What made you stay? So after college, I became the assistant coach at Ohio State for the synchronized swimming team because what did I know? You know, I had a communication degree and how do you, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. You, you guys, talk on podcasts. You guys are obviously, um, you know, killing it here. So, um, <laughs> but after that, I actually um, went up for the head coaching job when the position came open and I didn't get it. And it was devastating. It's one of those things that you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've wanted to do this my whole life. I wanted to be um, the head coach. I thought this is my life. And now what do I do? And that's kind of where I found my way um, into nonprofits. And I started as an administrative assistant in marketing and fundraising. And, you know, I always say, be nice to the people that sign you in or the administrative staff, because they can either make it or break it for you, open doors or close doors for you. And um, that was true. And and I had some really great mentors at the time that taught me about fundraising. I knew about event planning because I worked for the athletic department in the interim 
um, after the coaching gig didn't work out. And I just kept working my way up and I can make friends easily. And I also like to raise money for causes that I believe in. So um, hopefully your wallets are on the table here. <laughs> you said about a million dollars. You know, oh, I, 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 thought you were we gonna, I thought you were saying you believe in conquering Columbus. I'm like, we, we could use some money. <laughs> definitely can raise it if you'd like. Sounds good. We can do some things together. We can teach girls about podcasts and uh, yeah. who knows what we can do. But um, I cannot teach synchronized swimming. So let's just... You, yeah, do, you don't want to watch I'll, that. I'll teach you synchronized swimming as long as there's a bottom. How about that? In shallow water. And I'm saying you don't want to see me in try. In sunny Florida <laughs> or somewhere that's not like rainy Ohio right now. But um, no, and so I just kept kept um, getting new jobs and everything and ended up at Girl Scouts. And I thought, oh my gosh, I made it. Here I am, the development director for and marketing director at Girl Scouts. And the first um, week that I'm on the job, the marketing director quits. And mm. so I get this opportunity to go and promote the cookie program, that little known program that you mm. all love and we have mm. sitting on the desk here. Girl Scouts sell cookies? Uh, just a little bit, about oh. $8 million worth of cookies each year mm -hmm. um, across that, the country. And it's sold by girls. I mean, it's the largest social entrepreneurial program in the world mm -hmm. by girls. And and so it's- How much did you say? $8 million? $800 million. I was going to say, $8 million sounds eight, really I was going to say, $8 million sounded, I thought like in, just in Columbus, right? Yeah, like I was like, million. just for me, yeah. <laughs> $8 million did, I thought I heard that too. $800 million. And $800 million is that sounds blowing more. my mind. That's kind of what I would have. have a billion dollar yeah, dude. business. Run by Girl Scouts. Like, yeah, and it's like it's crazy successful. It's amazing. It but, is crazy, but I think it's even more impressive, the skills that they learn. And, and today it's so important because, you know, you guys were talking about seeing each other for the first time in a long time. Our girls are on their devices a lot of times and they're not, they're not talking to people. They're not doing financial literacy. They're not, where are the ethics in business and everything? So they learn so many skills through this program that, yes, you get some delicious cookies when mm -hmm. you buy them, but you're also supporting a girl in her business. Can I hire them to sell software? Absolutely. Technically, no, you're not allowed. It's there's like, you know, child labor laws and stuff. But yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna say I as they, as they get older, you, you know, <laughs> we're, we're working at and teaching them skills in the pipeline so that they are going to be yeah. um, very productive and, and great employees in the future. Right. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. Thinking about what you just said, a billion dollar company and you have these kids. Is there any sort of like the NCAA situation with like how they coined student athlete? Have you had pushback from having, you know, unpaid children sell it? Or is that like, is that a, is that a problem? Is that something that's been it's, brought up? It's not a problem because it's a program and they get a lot out of participating in the program, the skills and, and the programmatic aspects that I talked about, but they also get incentives for participating and then they get to earn money as well for their troops. And then they get to select what they want to do with that so that they can do activities that they want to do because that's what the Girl Scouts is all about is really letting girls explore what they want to do and, and then doing it in their troops. It's a little bit off the course of the outline, but I think that it's deserving to that point to discuss a little bit about what the business model of something like the Girl Scouts looks like. I mean, I think people yeah. think nonprofit, you know, what is the actual model behind it? Uh, but there is definitely, you know, a mechanism and reasoning behind everything. So how does the whole institution work? Well, we, we do um, both contributed and earned revenue. Um, and obviously the cookie programs under the uh, earned revenue piece. So we do take donations. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that the cookie program pays for everything, and that's just not the case. I mean, we have 
four camp properties. We have five buildings where we have employees in them in 30 counties. So we have a lot of property and programs. And then we have a lot of financial assistance because there's a lot of girls out there that can't afford to be Girl Scouts. And we don't want that to be an issue for them not joining us and learning different programs and, and participating in different programs. So, you know, we have a lot of different pieces Um, We do have fees with some of our programs. Um, We have Mad Mud coming up, which is always a fun program. And a lot of the families get involved at one of our camps. Just a mud run for for the girls and for the family. Um, And then we have camping. We have um, the cookie program, as you know, and then a lot of other programs run by the council. And then the funds generated just go back into supporting that ecosystem and supporting the girls involved. Absolutely. And everything that relates to supporting them, whether that be the properties, but whether that be the program, whether that be training Um, The volunteers, uh, we do background checks on all of our volunteers. We're really proud of our safety record and making sure that our girls are in safe environments. Mm -hmm. So everything, everything goes back towards the girls and the girl programming. So you joined the organization. Can you talk a little bit about what you were focused on in the beginning and how that evolved and, and what kept you so passionate and sticking around with the organization? So when I first got back to Girl Scouts after, um, leaving and coming back, um, we were in the midst of a merger and there were over 300 councils in the country. And like any um, massive organizations out there, a lot of times there's not a a lot of alignment. And so when we came back, we did a lot of alignment to make sure that all the councils had um, major market centers with Columbus being ours, um, had corporations that could support um, our operations, had the volunteers and had the population. And so we looked at that. We looked at making sure that we had a diverse workforce. Um, And then we had to upgrade a lot of our skills because when I started in 2000, when I came back in 2007, there was still a lot of paper registrations and and computers weren't big with everybody. Mm -hmm. And so we had to upgrade um, a lot of the talents on staff and teach individuals um, a lot of new software and how to use computers to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, it's been a big transformation as in any company, you start slow and keep building and, and that's what we did. And we've had um, our 100th anniversary in 2012, 100 years of Girl Scouts. In 2017, we hosted the national convention right here in Columbus, where we had 10,000 people from all over the country and actually the world. They came from Japan. They came from um, Puerto Rico, all come here. And then um, now we're doing a a program called Dream Big, which is a $16 million fundraising campaign to create an immersive STEM immersive campus which I'm looking forward to sharing with more in the next, I'd say, six months to eight months. So side tangent, I don't want to hog all the questions here, but do you sell the same cookies in Japan and internationally than you do here? Does, is like, is Japan eating the tagalongs as much as we are here in, in the States? Well, they're not eating the tagalongs unless they're being sent to them because they don't get tagalongs. Girl Scouts is only in the United States. Okay. So um, the... and there's girl guides in other countries and like the Canadian girl guides have different cookies than we do, but we have the best cookies in my opinion. Yeah, I'm staring down a box of Samoas right now and really trying not to just, you know, open that up and you guys would hear a bunch of rattling and me chewing on cookies the entire episode. So we don't want that. But uh, That would be the last thing we would want. And, right? the, and, and the best box is the box that's open, you know. Yeah. The best kind is the box that's open. Do you freeze your Thin Mints or do you eat them normal? Yes. Okay, <laughs> got it. So I, I kinda, I'm curious about how, because you have all these different councils, right? So how does... How do the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland interact with like the national body, which is the Girl Scouts? I imagine that like there's a national body that kind of tells everybody, hey, we're going to do, you know, we're going to push towards this or we're going to do this new initiative. But I'm also guessing there's some autonomy. So how does that all work? So it is a federated model and there's certain things that we have to do in order to be chartered. We have to follow certain bylaws and codes of regulations. But I love to explain it to people and say, 
Um, it is unique as well because we have our own board of directors. We have our own budgets. And so if we so choose to go to be Girls Are Cool tomorrow, all of the assets of the council go to that, to Girls Are Cool. It does mm-hmm. not go up to the national body. So um, we pay membership dues to the national body. And, and again, we um, abide by um, marketing standards, programmatic standards, et cetera, um, to make sure that we're in compliance with the national body. They do put out some programming for us. Um, and many of us serve on national committees. And I'm sure you guys might not be able to guess what committee I serve on, but it is the cookie steering committee. There you go. And so we get to taste all the new cookies coming down the line. And um, we can't tell anybody, you know, because we'd have to kill them. But, right, right, right. You know, but it's always fun. You'd and sick like a, uh, a uh, what, do you, what do you call a group of Girl Scouts? A, uh, what were you going to call it? Because you had a yeah, word at the tip of your tongue. I was ready no, for that. I'm a I was thinking, afraid of that I was one. thinking of like, like what is the word for a, what's a, a group of, a troop. Yes, that okay. was what I was looking for. A squad. I was going to say a squad of scouts. Tough one. They must not have that, that word in San Diego. They're going to stick a troop of scouts on you. You'll, have, <laughs> you'll be hoarded by Girl Scouts coming after you for knowing the secret cookies. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So when it comes to the Girl Scouts, right, obviously big part of the Girl Scouts is meeting together and learning and growing as a group. But with COVID-19, I'm guessing a lot of that had to slow down. So how did that impact everybody? And what did you guys do to kind of keep the scouts going and keep the, the troops meeting together? Well, it's a great question. And it's been a really tough year with the pandemic for many reasons. And one of which is most of our programs were in person. Mm-hmm. And so you think about camping, it's a little hard to camp through virtual. Right. Although we've learned how to do it through Facebook programming and sending out like backpack programs so girls can camp in their homes or in their backyards. But um, it's been really, it's been really uh, a tough year and with all the um, online learning that's out there, the last thing a lot of girls want to do is get back online. Mm-hmm. And then parents are trying to be help their girls, their children through school. They're trying to keep their employment going. I mean, there's so many things that mm-hmm. um, it was difficult and a lot of people chose um, to pause their membership in Girl Scouts. And we've seen a, a big return in our spring registration for next year, which we're excited about. And we're looking forward to getting back into the in-person meetings. And we've had lessons learned. I mean, there's some things we can do online that make us more efficient. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it's that um, experiential learning, hands-on learning with advisors, caring adults, and and it's in-person. And so our camps are full this year. We're excited about that this summer. And we're just looking forward to getting back to a little bit of normalcy, which what does that mean? Right. We'll, We'll have to see. And as people are coming back, right, you mentioned this, the initiative for fundraising for the STEM Center, but what other what other key initiatives do you got going on? What's, what's it going to look like when people come back? Well, we're going to resume a lot of our programming that we've had in the past, and there'll be some new ones coming down the line, too. It's funny because I joke and I say I think our council likes to eat, obviously, because we have a maple syrup. We have a maple syrup program where we tap around maple trees out at camp and do a big maple festival, fall festivals. We do a lot of anti-bullying. Josh is looking for an invite to the maple festival, in case you were wondering. Big maple fan. (laughs) Do you do a cookie festival? Because I want to invite to that. Cookie version? Cookie festival? So I think where you would like to be invited is to our urban campout event, which is coming up at the end of September, and it's an adult-only event. Um, It is a fundraiser, and we we typically do um, bourbon-inspired drinks and do cookie and wine pairings. So... I want to pick the next cookie flavor. I want to, like, you know, the Keebler, like the Keebler elves. I want to be up there just so, like mixing so what stuff would to you, make one. What would you pick? I have no idea. That's what I want to go figure out. 
So you want to just taste them It all. would be something with peanut butter, yeah, for sure. Something with peanut butter? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm so worthless. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that that is that sounds cool. And I was just going to add, I just booked my last virtual event. Mm-hmm. And I can sympathize. I'm an adult and I'm done. I've reached the end of my road with virtual. I am no more virtual events. I'm like, I'd rather just not do anything than a virtual event. So imagining like a a teenage girl, like I, they would just be so all out on it. So this thing coming back, I guess world normalcy, whatever coming back, it's got to be huge for, you know, your events and, and it, people being involved in it. Cause I can, I can't imagine trying to market, you know, something that you don't want, I, I wouldn't want to attend, you know, I'm like, Hey, you should come to this thing. And they're like, no, and you're like, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't go either. You know, that's really, that's gotta be hard. Well, I think of the mental health piece of it too. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just something about being in a room with people and getting to feel their energy versus, you know, in that mm-hmm. screen. I mean, it, it's just a different feel. So um, we're looking forward to that. And, and again, there are some things that we've gained out of it. There's some meetings that we don't have to travel to our 30 county jurisdiction to go oh, to. Oh, for sure. And There's can, some efficiency for sure. Absolutely. But, but we should be it. smarter about it going forward. And But the girl events and, and seeing the girls in action, I mean, that's been truly, that's a joy to see. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about my job. I know one of the questions early on is, what is your typical day? And I was laughing, my days aren't typical. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite thing is when I get to go out and see the girls in action and watch the great team that I work with lead them in different activities. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, Revolution Group. Revolution Group is a business and their mission is to revolutionize businesses and empower people through strategic technology solutions. They provide everything from managed IT support, ERP services, cybersecurity services, and Salesforce implementations to Central Ohio and beyond. And they have some really strong values and fun company culture that focuses on extraordinary relationships with customers and each other. We had Polly and Rick on from their team on the show a while back, if you remember listening to that one. So it's clear that they really love working with local companies. They want to help support and build Central Ohio. So if you need any of those things, if you're looking for a partner when it comes to IT services, ERP services, cybersecurity services, all those stuff, we recommend you go check them out. You can uh, find their information at revolutiongroup.com. That is revolutiongroup.com. One thing that I wanted to ask about is, and I guess, you know, not everybody out there has daughters or knows a Girl Scout. So what is the mission of the Girl Scouts and and what, how does it help girls? Well, our mission is building girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. And to your point, not everybody has a daughter, but most people have a sister, Mm -hmm. a friend who's female, a coworker. I mean, somebody who's female that they interact with. And our girls are, while they're in Girl Scouts, they're learning the skills that are going to make them successful in the future. So our hope is that the skills that we're teaching today are going to make our community a place where it can thrive. And so whether you have a daughter or you're a mentor to girls or you're a a, um, supervisor, um, it doesn't matter. We want to make sure that um, you realize the importance of, of the work that we're doing. And if you like to help girls succeed and women succeed, then look at getting involved with our organization. And one of the things that you all might not know is you all could be Girl Scouts. As long as you're 18 or older, you could be Girl Scouts. Um, our organization is solely for girls and it's focused on girl programming. But the the people that help our girls be successful are adults. Mm-hmm. And so you all could be registered Girl Scouts if you want. So that's okay. a trivia question, you know, there for you go. later. Yeah, I, did, I actually wasn't aware of that. Did Girl Scouts, you said it's been around for 100, well, almost 110 years now. 
did that come from uh, Boy Scouts and not allowing girls into it? Is that what stemmed it or is it is it a joint, was it a joint thing? No, you're exactly right. It came from, it wasn't that they didn't let girls in, but there was nothing specifically for girls. And a lot of people ask where the cookie program came from. Mm-hmm. And it was because um, Julia Gordon-Lowe, our founder, could not get a loan. Unlike a lot of the male activities out there, they, the bank would lend them money. They would not lend her money. So mm-hmm. she had to sell her pearls and then they had to figure out other ways to come up with ingenious ways to come up with um, funds. I think it's a good life lesson. It's a good parable for you should listen to the women in your life. <laughs> There's no Boy Scouts cookies program selling $800 million. You right. know? Like, yeah, to go from like the bank won't loan me money to yeah. doing almost a billion dollars in cookie sales. That's a pretty uh, successful story, I would mm-hmm. say. Well, we're excited about it. And just some other trivia for you all that you might laugh at. Um, people ask me, well, you're talking about the STEM initiative. You know, why is Girl Scouts getting involved in STEM? And one of the first badges was an electrician badge. Mm-hmm. And the other one, another one of them was um, how to tie up a robber with 18 inches of rope. Why they needed to know that in 1912 is beyond <laughs> me. Very curious about the... How do they... Wait, so like, do they have to like tie up a robber to get that badge? I guess back in 1912 they did. So we don't have it today. They had to be an official robber too. Right, right. They had like, that like, fake right. stuff. You're going to wait in this room until someone tries to rob it and you're going to tie them up. I don't know where they came up with it, but, you know, there's a lot of interesting ones along our history, interesting badges in our history. But you that the most interesting badge or is there more one that you know of that's more interesting? Oh, that? I think that's the most interesting that I can think of. Okay. <laughs> Tim, you had a question? You mentioned STEM. What, what exactly is that when you're saying that for someone who might not know? So STEM is um, science, technology, engineering, and math. And mm-hmm. um, what we're doing is we have um, a, a campground that we're looking to create a STEM immersive campus. And so that everything would be related to STEM. Our low ropes course would talk about the physics, you know, and if you're not hooked up, you're going to fall. You're going to fall to the ground because of gravity. Mm-hmm. We're on the big derby, so we're going to learn about water quality. We have all kinds of topographies. Um, you heard me talk. That's where our maple syrup program is. So there's all kinds of activities. We want it to be a living laboratory. We want companies to come out there, universities to come out there so that our girls can see the programs or can see real-life scientists so that they don't think that a scientist is somebody who wears a white lab coat with a pocket protector. Mm-hmm. I mean, because unfortunately... A lot of girls, you say, draw a scientist and they'll do that. But then later, after they go through a program, they draw something different. Mm-hmm. And we want all youth to be able to get out and utilize this property because a lot of um, youth that are in the city, we've heard before, are those trees real? And I'm like, what do you mean are the trees real at camp? And they're like, our trees don't look like that. Our trees are like perfectly um, formed and pruned. They don't say pruned, obviously. And those trees are on the ground and they smell funny and it's like, uh, this is the outdoors. So it's exciting to um, really get, have a place where girls and youth, because again, we have school groups come out as well, um, can explore the outdoors. Hey, everybody, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, Park National Bank. If you've been listening to the show, you might have heard our most recent episode or one of our recent episodes with Matt Miller. He's the president at Park National. You can learn a lot about the company that way. But what you really need to know about Park National is they really have the heart and style of a community bank, but the resources of a big bank. They have quite a few different locations around Ohio and even outside of Ohio. They've always really tried to stay true to that local community feel, as well as, uh, you know, they have a strong entrepreneurial spirit at the company. So they're really working to grow and and they want to work with people who are looking for those same things. So really is an all-star alliance of community banks here in Ohio. They support local businesses just like they're here supporting Conquer and Columbus through their sponsorship. So 
Definitely recommend you check them out for all your banking needs. If you want to learn more, you can head on over to parknationalbank.com. That is parknationalbank.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. I have a lot of questions kind of built into one, so I'll try to make it logical and not ramble too much. But I'm thinking through uh, the business model thing like earlier and trying to wrap my head around it as you're talking about these different initiatives. And your guys' system is almost way more complex than a normal business because not only do you have to create revenue, employ people, and you're creating a product that you're then selling and marketing and, and distributing, but then you have to redistribute that money into the organization in a way that creates another initiative, which is almost another product and service as a byproduct. So my and question- And then you have it, franchises in there as well. Yeah, and then you have this this national presence where I think you were calling them councils, which tangents well into my question because I'm trying to understand like how big does your territory, does your territory cover all of Ohio? I'm assuming because Ohio is heartland, but the heartland part's confusing me a little bit. And then what does it take to operate that? Like you must be focused on a tremendous amount of stuff. How do you, how do you organize your time? Well, I wanted to say first, thank you for the question because too many times you tell somebody you work in nonprofit and they're like, oh, that's nice. You're doing such good things. Hmm. Do you get paid for that? And yes, yes, we pay our employees um, to work because we want to hire the best of the best in a lot of different areas. But uh, Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland covers 30 counties. There's three major councils in Ohio. There's Northeast Ohio. There's Western Ohio. And we came in with the merger a little later. And I'm always a jokester. And I'm like, we're going to be Girl Scouts of the rest of Ohio and kind of just take it over. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of different aspects of the business, whether that be, and, and I, I briefly talked about the earned revenue versus the contributed revenue. But when you start breaking down um, each of those um, lines of business, which is what it is, it's some programmatic content, um, programmatic lines of business that are going to generate revenue. We have a retail store, so you can come and shop at our store in the office. We have investments and a lot of times we're very, we're very fortunate to have the investments um, to create long-term sustainability for our programming. But there's so many different aspects to running this organization. It is running a small business. And while we were teaching our girls through the cookie program to run their own business, we're doing that as well. And it's, it's a lot of fun because there's so many different moving parts and a lot of people don't realize how many moving parts and how complex it is. They think, Oh, it's just nice you're selling widgets. And, and you're not. Girls aren't widgets. They're a lot more important than that. The skills we're teaching them are incredibly important as well. And we do it through a lot of different um, tools. So I don't know if that covered all of your question, but I, I really appreciate having the ability to say, you know, working at Girl Scouts, and, and I work with some incredible people. We're about bringing the best of the best together um, on behalf of the girls because the girls deserve that. And I get to be the orchestrator. It's kind of a joke at times because I'm like, I know a little bit about a lot, but I know who to bring together in the room to get things done. And I used to go and talk at Ohio, at the Ohio State University because, again, it's about giving back and talking about what can you be when you grow up. And one of the things I used to say is, if you know what you want to do in life, raise your hand because, you know, you have these accountants and you have individuals that are so set on what they want to do, which I respect. And you're talking to the person that was the wannabe synchronized swimming coach for the rest of their life. And I said, okay, you all can leave. Now everybody else, let's talk because I probably would have been the least likely to be a CEO if you would have looked at me in college. Made a lot of friends, learned how to interact with people. It serves me well for um, my position, but I also am cognizant of knowing that, that you got to bring the best of the best together to accomplish and do things that really matter. And then you tie that into the heart work. And, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of 
individuals that can say they go to work and love their work every day. I don't like it every day, but I love it every day overall. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. In terms of revenue that you guys generate from both the earned and contributed, I believe is how you broke it out, and the number of employees in the Heartland side, are you allowed to talk about that? I'm just curious of the of the size of the organization. Oh, absolutely. We're we're about an eight million dollar organization, um, and we have approximately seventy five staff members. It fluctuates a little bit, and COVID's been a little tough on us as well. Like it's been on a lot of nonprofits, but you know we're we're pretty consistent with our eight million dollars. And how many girls does that serve? Right now, we're serving about sixteen to 18,000 girls, mm-hmm. and then we have about 6,000 adult members. Okay. Our high was in the 40,000 when, um, right. you know, when we did the, the bio. We had 40,000 members. That's adults and girls. And we look to get to that number again. Is there a national endowment that helps support the councils in, like, maybe downturns or, or rougher years, or is it all uh, individually supported? It's all on the individual council, and, and a, a lot of councils are struggling because they don't have um, the investments or they're not as financially stable as our council. And and we're, we're very blessed because um, we've had a lot of good support along the years of individuals that have supported our council to help build up our reserves. We've had some smart business practices. I like to think that people think when I move on um, to the next, or I hope that they think that some of the things that we've done have been really moving us forward innovatively and keeping us on solid footing. And I think that the other part that I would um, do a little brag about is that with our organization, we have at least, usually they say about 75% of the money going into program is a good program and 25% into your fundraising and your management. And ours is much higher. Ours is usually in the 78 to 82% of our um, monies go into the programming for the girls. That's fantastic. So what are the goals moving forward for you and and for, you know, you mentioned getting to 40,000 members again, but outside of that, what else is on the mind? So I'm really excited. The project that I keep like insinuating about, it, it gets me very excited. It's called Dream Big. And I, I named it intentionally Dream Big because it's as big as we can imagine and bringing in partners. We are very good at creating programs for girls. And what we want to do is bring the experts in in the other areas to create programming. And this is something that um, we don't want to create redundant program. We want to create programs that are needed to help build the workforce, to help build girl skills for the future. And we also want to start diversifying. And and I say diversifying by a lot of people look at Girl Scouts and they say, oh, that's that nice organization that sells cookies and it's for white suburban girls. I don't want us to be known for that. I want to really break that model and show the inclusivity of Girl Scouts for all girls so that all girls can be successful because they can all benefit from our programs. 
Makes a lot of sense, Tammy. And I think uh, it's a good place to head towards our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that for our show, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career? Well, I feel like welcome to my world. Um, <laughs> as an athlete, I'm always about um, creating goals for next. And when you've accomplished it, you got to pick something else. And it's never about settling. So, and when you don't settle, you don't know if you're going to accomplish that goal or how you're going to accomplish that goal. So I'd say I live my life uncomfortably very frequently. But again, you get some of the um, best highs out of that. And you learn, uh, learn the most by um, getting out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Well, Tammy, thanks so much for joining us, coming on to talk about the Girl Scouts. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Conquerors. thanks for those cookies. Yeah, thanks for the cookies too. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you have a cookie connection. Yeah. So, and Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that episode. If you enjoyed the interview with Tammy, you want to hear more just like those, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on, and you will get more interviews with all the great people around Columbus every week. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.